Salutations, listeners. You are listening to yet another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. And I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And it is our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. And this episode... We are going to be doing quite a condensed spotlight, um, which we don't usually do. Usually we kind of get into the deeper end of things, you know. Um, And I consider doing like a two-part spotlight or a three-part spotlight. And at the end of it, I just, I really realized that 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 wasn't enough. We would have to do like a a 25-part spotlight. And uh, so this is a highly condensed spotlight on the man, the myth, the legend in the music industry that we call Q. That's right. This spotlight is on the great Quincy Jones. Now, we're going to be talking about, um, or just kind of throwing out, rather, in, um, in the set breaks, many, many, many of his accolades, um, just because, I mean, I've always said this, but I truly mean it. Q is quantum. Quincy Jones is absolutely quantum. And not a lot of people realize all the things that Q has done. Some know some of the more pop things that he's done. Some know Q more from his film and television things uh, and associations in that realm Uh, and some know some of Q's very few jazz things but we're going to be touching on a lot of this so we invite you to stick with us on this very special spotlight of the great Quincy Jones so remember you can find the Dr. Jazz podcast wherever you find your podcast Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher. We also have our website Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast.wordpress.com and you can find us on Twitter at N-D-H Jazz. But for now let's get to some wonderful music. Thank you. 
right. Uh, Soul Bossa Nova by the great, written by and arranged by the great Quincy Jones from his 1962 date, Big Band Bossa Nova, which, by the way, features so many great, so many great people. Um, and yes, if you have the, if you're fighting back the, um, Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. If you're fighting back the urge to do it, just go ahead and do it. Go, yeah, baby! Because that's what most people, you know, think of. Uh, either that or the FIFA World Cup. So, you know what I mean? Um, when they hear that song, although it was recorded way back in 62. Uh, yeah, like, put it this way. It was recorded when Kennedy was president. So, there you go, you know. Um but yeah, man, the, the the players on this is is just out of sight. So on percussion, you have Carlos Gomez, Jack Del Rio, not that Jack Del Rio, and Jose Paula on piano. The great Lalo Schifrin. That's right, Lalo Schifrin, who was Dizzy Gillespie's piano player, who also wound up writing uh, quite a, a hit song for TV himself, Mission Impossible. Uh, on Let's see, the guitar, the great Jim Hall. On the bass, Chris White. On the drums, Rudy Collins. Uh, and then, here, here come the blockbusters, right? So, on the alto saxophone, the great Phil Woods. That's right. On those flute parts that we all heard. Bleep, 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 da, da. That is none other than Rasan Roland Kirk. Man, just killer flute playing right there. Uh, on other reeds, you had Jerome Richardson. On the tenor saxophone, you had the great Paul Gonzalez. That's right, the Paul Gonzalez from the Duke Ellington Orchestra, who just a few years prior to this recording was taking those unexplainable, like 15 choruses at Newport on diminuendo and crescendo in blue and bringing back single-handedly with one solo the entire popularity of the Duke Ellington Orchestra. And if that isn't enough, the trumpet that you hear on that track is the great C.T. himself, Clark Terry. Which brings us to one of the stories I'd like to share. In uh, the great documentary, which I highly, highly, highly suggest you watch if you haven't yet, Keep On Keeping On, uh, is a documentary on Clark Terry. And Clark Terry and Quincy go way back and to the point where you know Quincy uh, was in Seattle and uh, the Basie band was traveling through Seattle and he and, and Clark tells a story as only as only CT can tell a story you know with that voice of his and then, you know. <laughs> I just love Clark Terry um, so he tells a story that this young kid uh, comes and up to him as he's like going back, you know, after one of those gigs. Like Quincy was walking to school one morning as the band was coming back to the hotel to finally rest, you know what I mean, after playing an all night, you know, gig. And they had like a, a couple of weeks, you know, where they were booked. Well, he asks uh, Mr. Terry for uh, trumpet lessons because Quincy was a trumpet player. And, um, you know, Clark says, like, well, you know, I mean, it'd have to be like, you know, 
like as soon as you like before on your way to school you know what i mean and then you'd have to come and then you had to go straight to school you know what i mean and you had to get up early and quincy's like yeah okay you know so anyway he goes and he gets some some trumpet pointers you know a few mornings from from clark and then he says, by the way, I, I have an arrangement here of this, this piece of music. Could, could you, you know, read it with Mr. Basie and, and see if, you know, what you think? And the story goes that he's like, yeah, sure. He's like, I didn't want to break the kid's heart. So, yeah, you know, I, I took the music and I told Basie about it. And we had one of those little, like, you know, small group session things where we were rehearsing. And so I passed out this music. And so... He, uh, we got through the piece, and he said, Basie kind of gave me that look with a raised eyebrow going, don't bring this shit in here again. <laughs> and he said, now, at, at that point in time, I could have sit there and said, like, no, nah, kid, like, you're never going to be an arranger. You know, just hang it up. You know, you, you need to focus more on your trumpet playing or something. He said, but that's not what I chose to do. He said, what I chose to do was sit there and say, well, you know, because he said, of course, young Quincy came back going, well, what did you, did you read it? Did you read it? What did he say? What did he say? And instead of breaking his heart, Clark Terry said, well, he said, you just need to change a few things. Like, let's really look at this voice leading going on here. And let's let's look at that, you know, in the, these range things, you know. And he, he basically he, he let him down easy. And he said, but he said, you know, if you just keep at it, you know, you've got a lot of potential. You know, you just keep at it. You, 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 you know, you'll get it. You'll get it. And because he didn't basically come back and say, like, hey, basically thought this was shit. You should never do this. Don't 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 bring me shit like this and embarrass me in front of, you know, Count Basie. Because he was positive to this little kid, young Quincy. He became it, it emboldened a young Quincy to keep at the whole arranging game, the composing game. And thank God, because we're all better for it. And that's what Clark Terry calls the power of positivity. So, um, and he shares that story in his uh, documentary, Keep On Keeping On, you know. So, uh, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's, it's just amazing. But, um, before that, we heard... Hard Sock Dance from the album Quintessence. And Quintessence uh, came out in 1961 on the Impulse label. And it's another tune that was written by Quincy uh, and another killer, killer, killer band as far as that goes as well. Bill English on drums, the great Milt Hinton on bass. You know, Milt Hinton's to play with everybody from Cab Calloway on, right? So throughout, I mean, Branford. You know, Milt's Milt. Milt's in the jazz, uh, the Harlem Jazz Portrait by Art Kane from in Harlem in 1958. He's one of those cats, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, and a slap master too. On the on the acoustic bass, man, he knows how to walk a dog for sure. Patricia Brown on the piano, Julius Watkins on the French horn, Rodney Levitt, Paul Felice, and the great Melba Liston on the trombone. Snooky Young, Al Dorisi, the great Thad Jones, and Freddie Hubbard on the trumpet. Eric Dixon, Frank Wess. 
Phil Woods again, and the great Oliver Nelson. All in the sax section. Killer. Just killer, killer, killer. Um, yeah, and it comes, like I said, from the 1961 album The Quintessence. Because Q really is the quintessence. <laughs> uh, and then we started off the the entire set with Stockholm Sweetenin from the 1956 album. We're going all the way back. We're going chronologically with this episode. Um, it comes from Quincy's album. This is how I feel about jazz. And uh, yeah, man, Art Farmer, Bernie Glow, Ernie Royal, and Joe Wilder all on trumpets. Jimmy Cleveland, Irby Green, and Frank Rehack on the trombones. Again, the great Phil Woods on the alto saxophone. Jerome Richardson on flute and tenor. Lucky Thompson and Bunny Bardock on the tenor sax. Jack Nimitz on the berry sax. The great Hank Jones on piano. Mr. PC himself, Paul Chambers on the bass. And Charlie Persip on the drums. Stockholm Sweetening, and all three of those songs, once again, were not only arranged, but written, composed by the great Q himself, Quincy Jones. Now, a little background on Quincy. Quincy Delight Jones Jr. was born March 14th, 1933. Still alive still killing it at age 87. He's an American record producer, multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, composer, ranger, film, and television producer. His career spans over 16, 60 years in the in- entertainment industry with a record 80, that's 8-0, Grammy Award nominations, 28 Grammys, and a Grammy Legend Award that's only been given to 15 people in the history of the Grammys in 1992. Quincy became came to prominence in the 1950s as a jazz arranger and conductor before moving on to work in pop music and film scores. And we're not going to get too deep into that because we're going to be talking about that as we go along. But Quincy Jones was born on the south side of Chicago in 1933 to the son of Sarah Francis. Uh, a bank officer and apartment complex manager, and Quincy D. Light Jones Sr., a semi-professional baseball player and carpenter from Kentucky. And uh, he found out through some of these kind of like, you know, ancestry studies that he is actually potentially related to Tennessee Williams' family tree. So there you go. Um, yeah. Very, very, very interesting. Um, but, I mean, Quincy, you know, even though he, he was young when he came up, at age 14, he introduced himself to a 16-year-old named Ray Charles after watching him play at the Black Elks Club. And Quincy cites Ray Charles as an early inspiration for his own music career, noting that Ray Charles overcame a disability, meaning his blindness, to achieve his musical goals. He's credited, he, is credited, 
He has credited his father's sturdy work ethic with giving him the means to proceed and his loving strength with holding the family together. Quincy has said that his father had a rhyming motto. Once a task has just begun, never leave until it's done. Be the labor, great or small, do it well or not at all. Which is a very cool statement, if you ask me. In 1951, Quincy Jones earned a scholarship to Seattle University, where a young Clint Eastwood, who was also a music major, before he was telling people to get off his lawn or to make his day. Clint Eastwood was a music major along with Quincy and watched him play in the college band. After one semester, Quincy Jones transferred to what is now the Berkeley College of Music in Boston on another scholarship. While he was at Berkeley, he played at Izzy Ort's Bar and Grill with Bunny Campbell and Preston Sandiford, whom he cited as very important musical influences. He left his studies after receiving an offer to tour as a trumpet player, arranger, and pianist with band leader Lionel Hampton, the king of the vibes, and he embarked on his professional career from that point on. While he was on the road with Lionel Hampton, he displayed a gift for arranging songs. He then moved to New York City, where he received freelance commissions writing arrangements for Sarah Vaughn, Dinah Washington, Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Gene Krupa, and of course, Ray Charles, who was by then a very close friend. So, lots of stuff. And of course, in case you don't know, you know, he... His whole family, you know, is, is very, very, very well known. Um, if you've ever seen Rashida Jones in I Love You Man or Parks and Recreation or The Office or any any of those, those great things, you know what I mean? Um, then you know Quincy's daughter because she is the daughter of Quincy Jones. And, um, in fact... <laughs> Peggy Lipton was also one of Quincy's three wives. And uh, if you probably know Peggy Lipton from either the Mod Squad or Twin Peaks, because she was the waitress in Twin Peaks. So, um, yeah, she was Norma. That's right. Norma Jennings. You know, anyway. Um, she had two children with Quincy, Kidada and Rashida. And there you go. So Rashida has two very, very famous parents. Uh, Peggy, unfortunately, left us in 2019 um, and passed away. But, you know, Rashida still is going on. And, of course, that's who we are spotlighting here is the great... Quincy Jones. So, enough talking on my end. Let's get back to some great music with our spotlight on the great Q, Quincy Jones. Thank you. 
Flame high, flame. 
Thank you.
heavy stuff man god I, that that's such a, a moving work of music and um for those of you unfamiliar that is gula matari from the 1970 a&m album gula matari by the great quincy jones uh arranged and conducted and written by quincy jones uh it's only a four-track album and that's the only track that he wrote. Uh, but man, is it intense. And of course, you know, everybody on this album is, of course, just stellar. Stellar. Valerie Simpson, Marilyn Jackson, Mar- Mar- Martha Stewart, Barbara Massey, and Hilda Harris on the vocals. Seymour Barab, Kermit Moore, Lucian Schmidt, and Alan Schulman on the cellos. The great Milt Jackson, Bags himself, is on the vibraphone. Uh, Major Holly is on bass and voice solos. Uh, Richard Davis is on bass. Ron Carter is on bass. Um, Jimmy Johnson and Warren Smith's on percussion. Don Elliott is playing bass marimba on that track. The great Grady Tate on drums. Ready for this? Bobby Scott, Bob James and the great Herbie Hancock on keyboards. Toots Tillmans on guitar and whistle. And Al Gray on trombone solos. Wayne Andre on the trombone. Gene Young, Ernie Royal, Danny Moore, Marvin Stamm, and the great Freddie Hubbard on trumpets and flugelhorn. Jerome Richardson on soprano sax. The great Hubert Laws on the flute. Danny Bank on bass and baritone saxophone, and the great Pepper Adams on Barry sax as well. If you've heard any of the early Charles Mingus albums, you have probably heard Pepper Adams and did not realize it, in case you're not hip to Pepper Adams, and he is an incredible Barry saxophone player. Uh, but yeah, that was Gula Matari from 19. 19- 1970. Before that, we heard Walking in Space from 1969. Um, yeah, it's just, man, great stuff on this, too. So, and it was a little bit, you know, a little bit longer. Um, but, um, yeah, oh my God, Walking in Space. And, um, a killer, killer. I'm just looking at these these names as well, and a lot of them c- keep coming back. You know what I mean? Around the same time period, um, yeah. So, Martha Stewart, um, Valerie Simpson on vocals, Marilyn Jackson, Hilda Harris, the great Purdy Purdy, Bernard Purdy on drums. This go round, Toots Tillman again on guitar and harmonica. 
the great Hubert Laws on flute and tenor sax, Bob James on electric piano, Grady Tate on the drums, Eric Gale on the electric guitar, the great Ray Brown on the double bass, Paul Griffin on piano, Freddie Hubbard, Lloyd Michaels, Dick Williams, John Frosk, Marvin Stam, and Snooky Young on the trumpet, Jimmy Cleveland, J.J. Johnson, Alan Rafe, Tony Studd, Norman Pride, and the great K. Winding. That's right, he had J and K in the trombone section. And, of course, Joel K., Hubert Laws, Jerome Richardson, and the great Rassan, Roland Kirk on the reeds. Killer lineup, man. Just killer lineup. And that was walking in space. Now, I know both of those were a little lengthy, uh, but... I apologize. They're two of the best tracks that there are. And then we started off the set with uh, a tune called Rack'em Up from the Pawnbroker soundtrack. And a um, little backstory about that. I actually came into that song, not through Quincy Jones and his great film scoring, but actually through the great vocalist Mike Patton. There was a great radio interview that he did uh, for somebody. I want to say it might have been an interview that he had with Henry Rollins uh, from Black Flag. And he was talking about a lot of different music that has actually inspired him. And it went from Zorn to uh, film scores like Nina Rota. And he actually said that one of the, the big... I th- even think Tom Jones is in that mix, believe it or not. But... One of the the, the tracks that he talked about that inspired some of the vocal things that Mike Patton does was this track that we heard to open up the set, Rack'em Up, uh, written by Quincy Jones for the film, uh, the Sidney Lumet film, The Pawn Broker, from 1964. And you would hear this this walking piano left hand doobie 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 anyway and then you hear you know this kind of like effect with the vocals i can't do it near as good as mike Patton, but the idea is that it, it triggered something in mike Patton's brain that hey y- you can use the voice as a percussive kind of instrument and so i thought it was really cool because i i I love Mike Patton, and I love Quincy Jones, so there you go. And um, But yeah, getting deeper, that that's something that I wanted to address on this break, right? Is that in 1961, Quincy was promoted to vice president of Mercury. Mercury Records, becoming the first African-American to hold the position. During that exact same year, 1961, at the invitation of director Sidney Lumet, he composed the music for... The Pawnbroker, which is a film from 1961, I'm sorry, 64. It was the first of his nearly 40 major motion picture scores. Following the success of The Pawnbroker, Quincy Jones left Mercury and moved to Los Angeles. After composing film scores for Mirage and The Slender Thread in 1965, he was in constant demand as a composer, as a film composer. His film credits over the next seven years included Walk, Don't Run, The Deadly Affair, In Cold Blood, that's right, the same Truman Capote in Cold Blood, 
In the Heat of the Night, McKenna's Gold, The Italian Job, the first one, not the remake, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, Cactus Flower, The Out of Towners, They Call Me Mr. Tibbs, The Anderson Tapes, Dollars, and The Getaway. In addition to all of these films in the, those just seven year span, he also composed a tune called The Street Beater, which is better known as the theme for the television sitcom Sanford and Son, starring Red Fox. But he also composed other themes for other TV shows, including Ironside, Rebop, Banachek, The Bill Cosby Show, the opening episode of Roots, Mad TV, and the game show Now You See It. So, <laughs> yeah, go figure, right? But then he went on to score a bunch of other films as well, uh, including uh, producing the soundtrack for The Wiz, which is the musical adaptation of The Wizard of Oz, starring Michael Jackson and Diana Ross. But he also went on to... Um, <laughs> he produced the film and he wrote the music for a film called The Color Purple, which received 11 Oscar nominations that year. Uh, and as, additionally, it was through this picture that... Quincy Jones is credited with introducing Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah Winfrey to film audiences around the world. And the, the story goes, the myth goes, if you will, that Quincy was in Chicago and you know how you go to certain cities and there's like local TV shows and things like that. Well, he saw this very charismatic uh, young black woman on TV with her own kind of talk show. And he said, you know what? We need to get this woman all over the country. Everybody needs to see just how good she is. And that was Oprah Winfrey. So when I say that Q is quantum, <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. I'm talking about from those early days to film composing, to TV shows, to Oprah Winfrey, and you're going to hear a whole lot more. So I also want to say that right now, uh, I'm going to break down for you what we're doing. So the first half of this is a lot of Quincy's very own things. And then the second half of this podcast, uh, just snapshot. I don't really want to even say spotlight because there's not a spotlight big enough for Q, right? But what it is, is we're going to be talking about his collaborations and things that he had a hand in that we know worldwide at the end of the podcast. So it's kind of broken off in half. Okay, so quick PSA. Don't forget that you can subscribe and find the Dr. Jazz podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether that's Apple Music, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And don't forget to share it with your friends. We're always looking for more listeners, and we're not making money off this. We just love bringing informative, 
content and great jazz to everybody, hoping that it's just a bright spot in your day because we love jazz and we hope you do too. Also, if you're looking for track information and artwork, uh, you can go to our website, Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast dot WordPress dot com. And for those of you who's written to us, we're working on trying to make it a lot more um, navigable so that you can check out from a click and a side view uh, different episodes so you don't have to scroll and scroll and scroll. It's not there yet. It's under construction, but we're looking into it. Okay, so don't fret. And also, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can to know when each episode of the Dr. Jazz podcast drops. Okay. And in order to do that, you can find us with a handle, Twitter handle at NDH Jazz. Love to hear from you if you have anything to say, of course. Um, now, let's get back to some more great music on this snapshot of the quantum musical legend known as Quincy Jones. <laughs> Oh, 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 
is the soulful vocals of Leon Ware and the great Miss Minnie Ripperton. That's right. Most of y'all know Minnie Ripperton. Loving you. Loving you. That's right. That Minnie Ripperton. And it was a great song written by Leon Ware and Pam Sawyer called If I Ever Lose This Heaven from the 1974 album Body Heat by the great Quincy Jones. Killer lineup on this as well. Al Jarreau's on vocals on this album. Bobby Hall's on percussion. The great Billy Preston on the organ. I mean, oh my God, it's Billy Preston, y'all. Tommy Morgan on the harmonica. Pete Chrislieb, Jerome Richardson on the saxophones. Chuck Finley and Clifford Solomon on the trumpets. Hubert Laws on the fruit, on the flute, and the great Frank Rosalino. That's right, that same Frank Rosalino who is the West Coast trombone superstar and a member of the Stan Kenton Orchestra. He's on trombone on this album. Melvin Dunlap, Chuck Rainey, and Max Bennett on the bass. James Gadson, Paul Humphrey, the great Grady Tate, and Purdy Purdy Bernard Purdy on the drums. Eric Gale, Dennis Coffey, Arthur Adams, David T. Walker, Philip Upchurch, and Wawa Watson on the guitar. Mike Melvoin, Robert Margulef, Malcolm Cecil, Larry Dunn on the synthesizer, Richard T. and the great Bob James on electric piano, the great Herbie Hancock on piano, electric piano, and synthesizer, Dave Grusin, on synthesizer, drums, and electric piano as well. And the great Quincy Jones, arranger, composer, producer, trumpet, and vocals on this album. Killer, man. Killer, killer. Now, before that, we actually heard The Street Beater, which is better known as the theme from Sanford and Son. And that 
was originally composed and arranged by the great Quincy Jones, and it's featured on his 1973 album, You've Got It Bad, Girl. Mm, mm, mm. And, man, this whole album is just great. He covers Stevie Wonder's Superstition, Dizzy Gillespie's Manteca, uh, Chump Change by Bill Cosby, the love theme from The Getaway. Uh, God, man. So, Summer in the City, and then what, what, uh, You've Got a Bad Girl by Stevie Wonder, but then also what we heard, the theme from Sanford and Son. Grady Tate on drums. Cat Anderson is a soloist on this album. That's right. Even though it's 1973, he's still got trumpeter Cat Anderson, who is a soloist with the Duke Ellington Orchestra, to come in on this album. Mm. Quincy, of course, is on trumpet, arranging, conductors, vocals, producers, mixing, and he's a soloist. The great George Duke on piano. Eddie Lewis Chuck Rainey on bass, Carol Kay on the bass, Ray Brown on bass, Bob James on keyboards, Quincy Duke on vocals, Bobby Porter on percussion, the great Ernie Watts, who was part of Charlie Hayden's quartet, is on the saxophone, Toots Tillman on guitar, whistle, and harmonica, Phil Woods again back in the alto saxophone chair, and the great Dave Grusin. On electric piano. Mm, mm, mm. And then before that, we heard Ironside, which is another TV theme that was composed and arranged by the great Quincy Jones from his 1971 album, Smack Water Jack. Ah, man, good stuff. Really good stuff. And uh, he even covers Cast Your Fate to the Wind, What's Going On. And, of course, Smackwater Jack, written by Jerry Goffin and Carol King. So, uh, Quincy's on vocals, arranger, and conductor on this. Freddie Hubbard, Marvin Stamps on the flugelhorn, Buddy Childers, Snooky Young, Joe Newman of Count Basie fame, and Ernie Royals on trumpet, Wayne Andre and Garnett Browns on the trombone, whole host of guitar players, Eric Gale, Arthur Adams, Freddie Robinson, Joe Beck, and the great Jim Hall, plus Toots Stillman's on the guitar and harmonica, Grady Tate on drums and percussion, Paul Humphrey on drums, Bob James, and the great Joe Sample from the Crusaders on keyboards, Jackie Bayard, Monty Alexander, and Bobby Scott on the piano, the one, the only, the godfather of jazz organ, Jimmy Smith on the organ, Dick Hyman on the piano, and electric harpsichord. Carol Kay, Bob Crenshaw, of better known of being like the bass player sideman for Blue Note Records and Sonny Rollins, plus Chuck Rainey is on bass guitar. Ray Brown was on the double bass, Hubert Laws on the flute and saxophone, Milt Jackson, Mr. Baggs himself on the vibes, Pete Chrislieb and Jerome Richardson on tenor, and Ed Kelhoff and Paul Beaver on the Moog synthesizer it's a whole host of star-studded talent but man only only quincy only quincy and you know i also wanted to talk about how you know since we're we just listened to some tv themes there with ironside and sanford and son 
1990, Quincy Jones Productions joined with Time Warner to create Quincy Jones Entertainment, a company... The company signed a 10-picture deal with Warner Brothers and a two-series deal with NBC Productions, now Universal Television. The television show The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, starring Will Smith, was completed in 1990. But producers of In the House from UPN rejected its early concept stages. Quincy produced a successful Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, UPN's In the House, and... First-run syndications, The Jenny Jones Show, which is kind of comes with a little bit of controversy, and he also produced Fox's Mad TV, which ran for 14 seasons. In the early 1990s, he started a huge ongoing project called The Evolution of Black Music, QJE, Quincy Jones Entertainment, started a weekly talk show with Jones's friend, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, as the host. Uh, uh, uh. Killer, killer, killer stuff. Man. But besides all that, you know, in 2010, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, in 2010, Quincy Jones, along with brand strategist Chris Vance, co-founded Playground Sessions, a New York City-based developer of subscription software that teaches people to play piano using interactive videos. Pianists David Sides and Harry Connick Jr. are among the company's video instructors. Quincy worked with Vance and Sides to develop the video lessons and incorporate techniques to modernize the instruction format. Then, in 2017, Quincy Jones and French producer Reza Akbarali, I probably totally butchered that and I apologize, started Quest TV, Q-W-E-S-T, Quest TV, the world's first subscription video-on-demand service for jazz and eclectic music from around the world. The platform features hand-picked selections of ad-free concerts, interviews, documentaries, and exclusive original content, all in high-def HD or 4K. Now, I will tell you this, too. I'm subscribed to Quest TV on Twitter and there is some incredible things that you can watch and, and just get only on Quest TV. I'm not being paid by them. I'm just telling you, it's really that awesome. Okay. Um, and here's another thing. For those of you jazz fans who are big fans of Jacob Collier, you know, Jesse 1, 2, and 3 now, Jacob Collier is a mentee being mentored by, you guessed it, Q himself, Quincy Jones. So, there you go. More on the great legacy of the living legend, Quincy Jones. Now, let's get back to some more awesome music. You're listening to the Dr. Jazz Podcast.
No Corita, one of Quincy's probably biggest hits um, from the early 80s. Uh, features Dune on the vocals, and uh, it was originally written by Chaz Jankel and Kenny Young. Comes from his 1981 album, The Dude. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, just unbelievable talent on this whole album i'm not going to list everybody because it just goes on and on and on and on but quincy is everywhere on it patty austin is on this album lenny castro uh paulino da costa chuck finley herbie hancock man yeah uh james ingram michael jackson's even on backing vocals uh, Abraham Laboreal. Let's see. Steve Lukather. Johnny Mandel did some of the string arrangements. Whew, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rod Temperton. Yeah, Rod Temperton, maybe. Toots Tillmans, again. Uh, Ernie Watts on saxophone and flute on this. And even the great Stevie Wonder on synthesizer. On some of these tracks. Just incredible. Incredible stuff, man. Uh, before that, we heard Stuff Like That. 
and that comes from Quincy's album Sounds and stuff like that from 1978 and it was written as a collective kind of sort of thing by Ashford and Simpson, Steve Gadd, Eric Gale, Quincy, Ralph McDonald, and Richard T. Man, yeah. And the list here just goes on and on and on for this album. Quincy Jones, Ranger Conductor, Valerie Simpson, Shaka Khan. That's right, that's Shaka Khan. Patty Austin, Charles May, Luther Vandross, Ashford and Simpson, Eric Gale, Wawa Watson, Steve Gadd on the drums, Bob James, Herbie Hancock, Anthony Jackson on bass, baby, Tom Scott, Hubert Laws, Richard T., John Faddis, Oscar Brashear, Virgil Jones, Snooky Young, oh man, Bill Perkins, Chuck Finley, Harold Vick on Baritone sax and tuba and the great Michael Brecker is on this album as well. Do you need to know anything more than that? Come on. Good night, I live in. All right. And then we started off, we rolled it out smooth and mellow for you from his 1975 album. We chose the title track, Mellow Madness in which Quincy co-wrote that as well. Man, just tons of great stars here as well. <sighs> Minnie Ripperton again. Jerome Richardson on the winds. George Bohannon on the trombone. Frank Rosalino on the trombone. Chuck Finley on trumpets. Ernie Krivda, Cleveland saxophone legend on the saxophone, as well as Sahib Shihab. And if you're not familiar with Saeed Shihab, go check out some early Blue Note Thelonious Monk. He's a saxophone player on that. Hubert Laws, again, on a flute. Ralph McDonald on congas and drums and percussion. Wawa Watson, Grady Tate, the great Harvey Mason on drums. Yeah, that's right. Max Bennett, Chuck Rainey on the bass, Dave Grusin, Don Grusin, Mike Melvoy and Jerry Peters on keyboards, Toots Tillmans on the guitar and harmonica, and of course Q is the arranger, composer, keyboards, producer, trumpet, vocals, and background vocals all on this album, 1975's Mellow Madness. Killer, killer stuff, man. Mm. Yeah. Now, I know I mentioned... So far, Oprah and Will Smith and, of course, Ray Charles and, you know, many of those cats as well. And we're already hearing all the jazz cats, you know what I mean? And all the uh, film score, we've talked about that. But the thing is, is that I did mention Michael Jackson was a background vocalist for one of those albums. Well, that's not where Michael and Quincy's relationship stopped. Um, <laughs> and that's putting it lightly. Um, Quincy, besides working on The Wiz, which featured Michael Jackson as well, you know, um, basically he was the producer for Off the Wall, Thriller, and Bad. I'm not sure if you've ever heard any, you know, of those albums before. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, while working on the film, The Wiz, Michael Jackson asked Quincy to recommend some producers for his upcoming solo album. Quincy Jones offered some names, but eventually he offered to produce the record himself. So Michael Jackson accepted, and the resulting record, Off the Wall, sold about 20 million copies. This made Quincy Jones the most powerful record producer in the industry at the time. So Quincy and Michael's next collaboration, a little album called Thriller, sold 60 million copies and became the highest selling album of all time. The rise of MTV and the advent of music videos as promotional tools also contributed to Thriller's sales. Quincy Jones worked on Michael Jackson's album Bad, which has sold 45 million copies. Bad was the last time the two worked together in the studio. Audio interviews with uh, Quincy are included in the 2001 special edition of Off the Wall, Thriller, and Bad. So, in a 2002 interview, when asked if he would work with Quincy again, Michael Jackson suggested that he might. But in 2007, when Quincy was asked by the magazine NME, he said, Man, please, we already did that. <laughs> I've talked to him about working with him again, but I've got too much to do. I've got 900 products, and I'm 74 years old. <laughs> but uh, when Michael Jackson passed away in 2009, um, Quincy says, I've lost my little brother today. And part of my soul has gone with him. So, they did have a great relationship. And, you know, even in that pop circle of some of the... I mean, there you go. Thriller was the best-selling album of all time. Quincy had a big hand in that. And, you know, that's that goes without saying, too, that Quincy helped kind of put some of those those players... In those albums so in case you didn't know you know Thriller also features um, what is it Jeff Percaro from Toto on like human nature that was due to Quincy it also features Eddie Van Halen on the guitar solo to beat it that's thanks to Quincy as well and then when you get into uh, what is it bad you know that's uh, Jimmy Smith, the, the jazz organ, godfather of jazz organ. Jimmy Smith, he's got a little solo snippet on an organ solo right there in the title track of Bad. Uh, Quincy also kind of wrote the intro to PYT, Pretty Young Thing, which is uh, a, kind of a jazz thing. Uh, and then, you know, the Brothers Johnson, you know, the funk group, you know, Quincy's all over that too and a whole host more but just to let you know so besides film and TV and jazz Quincy's in the pop circles and that's why he's quantum you know what I mean is because he, he's, he's got his hand in every potential fire so he's got an iron in every one of those fires so yeah man Quincy that's what makes him just he'll, he'll live forever and that uh, in that respect so all right we've got um, three more three more tracks here um, of all Quincy related albums so far this half of the podcast has been all Quincy albums and we've got one more set of that so don't go anywhere you're listening to the snapshot of the legacy of the great Quincy Jones here on 
the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Because I'd been in New York all the time. And he brought Charlie Parker in this hotel room in the Book of Rocks into an hotel. There was nothing to do but play, you know, and we had a lot of fun trying to play. Right know. after that, man, Charlie Parker was mine. That was the first time I ever had the pleasure to meet Dizzy Gillespie. I just remember Miles. Miles was in my original band. And Charlie Parker created the style. And the moment I heard him, I said, that's how music should sound. A tribute to the bird man, the father of bird land, a masterpiece, a release, the horns, words, and the musical great salute the late. Mentor, inventor of a sound that dates back from bebop to pop and pop to hip hop. Refuse the times of jazz and rhymes and got Kumo Deegan, Big Daddy Kane, to bring on the legends, Kane hit the name. I kick a rap too, but you can relax too. A jazz soloist, play away with the sax to get the job done. The next one up to do his duty. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Moody. No one goes the mile like Miles Davis. Watch how he played this trumpet and pump it just like a mechanic handles a tool. Here's the rebirth of the cool. What kind of noise can a string bring making you swing and sing things of a musical fling? Well, listen to this star. Next up is, uh, oh, George Benson bringing a guitar. Voice of choice used just like an instrument, so magnificent. I'm proud to present Devon Sassio, aka Sarah Vaughn. Honey, you're on. I'm introducing a Bach revolution in jazz that has pizzazz. Here's one player using it. Ask who is he? First name Dizzy. Last name Galepsy. Now watch him get busy. Allow me to tell a story about Ella Fitzgerald, whose sound can never be sterile. A woman with flexibility of range, making octaves change. Go ahead and do your thing. This is a shout out to one more man, Joe Zawinul, the writer of Birdland. In the 50s, this was the place to be, from the band down to the major D. Now, who could forget the MC on the set, the ambulant voice of Peewee Marquette? Special down here at Birdland this evening. A sound so profound has come back around. 52nd Street is now world renowned with horn licks to kick and swift riffs to stick. Today, Bebop makes the hip hop pit. These musical geniuses, souls are so clever, they change the face of music forever. And if you can't understand, here's a past and present Birdland.
tell me a secret. I don't just want to know about any secret of yours. I want to know about one special secret. Because tonight I want to learn all about the secrets in your garden. I want to read your mind. Know your deepest feelings. I want to make it right for you. Baby, show me. Let me share the mystery.
Quack, quack.
gone that When he coming back he mine Don't he know that Cause I show that When he come home every time And he ain't no good And I know I should Let him go when he go But know that's my killer Joe You can't have him no more The way he walk and talk and spits his game The way he says his name Killer Joe Killer Joe, baby Cool Joe Mean Joe Cool Joe Shuggy Duggy Quack Quack Well, love you, son Killer Joe that was cool joe mean joe better known as killer joe which featured the great queen latifah and out of all people tone loke you know funky cole medina wild thing yeah and that comes from the 1995 album q's juke joint man tons of great talent on this as well toots tillman again barry white Babyface, SWV, Tamia, Ashford and Simpson, Shaka Khan, Brandy, Charlie Wilson, Ray Charles, R. Kelly, Ron Isley, oh, Gloria Stefan, Phil Collins is singing a Duke Ellington song on this album, Funkmaster Flex, Coolio, James Moody, Take Six, Brian McKnight, Rochelle Farrell, Heavy D, Brandy, Stevie Wonder, Bono, Ray Charles. Mm. Yeah, man. It's just, <laughs> it's it's such a good album, man. Yeah. Yeah. Q's Juke Joint. Mm. And then before that, we heard The Secret Garden from the Sweet Seduction Suite. 
as well as Birdland slash Jazz Corner of the World. And that comes from the 1989 album Back on the Block. And what was really cool about that Back on the Block, or Jazz Corner of the World uh, intro to Birdland is we got to hear Dizzy Gillespie not only talk with Charlie Parker and, and Lester Young's voice as well, and this kind of collage of interviews, but you got to hear, um, what is it, Sarah Vaughn, Ella Fitzgerald, Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis, James Moody, you know, George Benson, and Joe Zavino, who wrote Birdland, and little kind of like solo snippets, you know what I mean? And it actually was the last recording, studio recording, of Ella and Sarah Vaughn. So, you know, and Quincy has actually worked with both of them. And we're going to get back to that, um, you know, in a little bit. But, I mean, Rod Temperton is all over this album, you know, with his, you know, great talent as well. But, you know, of course, The Secret Garden featured um, Elda Barge on top of vocals by Barry White or an intro by Barry White. I mean, so, I mean, <laughs> Quincy is all over from, you know, Joe Zavinul to Barry White, you know, and, and he's one of the few people that can really pull this off. You know what I mean? Ice-T is on this album. Cool Modi, Big Daddy Kane. They're all on this album. So, if you can imagine that. As well as, you know, Brazilian great Ivan Lenz. So, I mean, what do you say, man? That, that That's what I mean. When when I'm, you know, I'm at a loss for words of, like, mixing Ice-T and Ella Fitzgerald's last, you know, studio recording together on the same album. I mean, that's why I say that Quincy's Quantum. Because who, 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 who does that? You know, and here you go. It features Ella, Miles, Joe Zavino, Ice-T, Big Daddy Kane, Sarah Vaughn, Dizzy Gillespie, George Benson, Luther Vandross, Dion Warwick, Barry White, Shaka Khan, Take Six, Bobby McFerrin, Al Jarreau, Al B. Sure, James Ingram, Elda Barge, Ray Charles, and a 12-year-old better known as Tevin Campbell. On this album. Damn. Mm. So. And yeah. Both of those those tracks are on. Back on the block. It's the Secret Garden and. Birdland. Killer 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 stuff. Mm, mm, mm. So. Want to remind you. That. You are listening to the Dr. Jazz Podcast, and you can find the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And feel free to leave a comment, you know, if you're on SoundCloud, or to write a review. We love to hear your reviews on the Apple Podcast. So make sure to subscribe and share with your friends who might be interested in the Dr. Jazz Podcast. We also have our website, which has track information and album art so you can go and find all the things that you'd like as well if you like what you hear in any part of the podcast 
And that website is Dr. Jazz Podcast, drjazzpodcast.wordpress.com. I'd love to hear from you there, too. Um, you can reach out to us on from the website. Also, you can subscribe to us on Twitter. You can follow us to know when each new episode of the podcast drops. So if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, just follow us as at NDHJazz. All right, so we're about to turn the corner and start listening to some incredible collaborations or things that Quincy had a hand in, whether he was an arranger for this person's album or whether he was the conductor or whether he was the producer. We're about to hear uh, two full sets of that, so don't go anywhere. You are listening to this snapshot into the musical legacy of the living legend, the myth, the man himself, Quincy Jones. Happened to pass your doorway Gave you a buzz, that's all Lately I've thought lots about you So I thought I'd pay a social call Do you recall the old days We used to have a ball Not that I'm lonesome without you I just thought I'd pay a social call I'd lie and say just swear but to tell the truth I haven't been too well and if you should try to kiss me I promise I won't stall maybe we'll get back together starting from this incidental elemental social
sun will never set and that is a gorgeous tune um, that is featured from the Sarah Vaughn album Vaughn and violins on Mercury Records absolutely and um, before that we heard Berlina and Lenny and that comes from the Count Basie album one more time music from the pen of Quincy Jones now that is full circle because if you'll remember it was Count Basie who did not at least according to the story of Clark Terry did not in dig you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, his first arrangements, you know, uh, delivered courtesy of, <laughs> you know, Clark Terry. He did not dig it, but he certainly used Basie. Uh, you certainly used Quincy a whole lot more after that, and that was from a 1958 roulette session. 
So, yeah. And, man, to hear those cats play the Count Basie band play that. That's incredible. But what's more important is that the whole album is featured 10 compositions all by Quincy Jones. So all 10 are arranged and con- er, composed by Quincy Jones and played by the Count Basie Orchestra. Uh, before that, we heard I'll Drown in My Tears, which came from the album The Swingin' Miss D. And talking about Dinah Washington out front singing in front of Quincy Jones and his orchestra. So that is just, man, it's just some killer stuff. And it it emotes so much feeling that came with that. I think that's the important part to keep um, in perspective, man, because Dinah's got a, a voice like no one else. And I have to, I have to, you know, I'm, I'm a boy from Alabama, but I have to do, give credit where credit is due. You know, Dinah Washington is probably the most famous daughter, musical daughter from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And uh, there's a great Dinah Washington uh, Cultural Arts Center there in Tuscaloosa. So, um, yeah, and, man, they're doing some great things. So, The Swingin' Miss D with Quincy Jones. Uh, Before that, we heard Jessica's Day. And what's really cool about that is that comes from the Verve album, Dizzy Gillespie. Burke's Works, the Verve Big Band Sessions. Now, why is that important? Well, I'll tell you. It's because Quincy, on Jessica's day, was one of the trumpet players in Dizzy's band. So there you go. And that comes all the way from 1956, 1957 period in time. So... Great, great stuff right there. Um, and then we started off the set with uh, the great Betty Carter, vocalist supreme from the 1955 album Meet Betty Carter and Ray Bryant. That's right. The great Ray Bryant was on piano backing up Betty Carter. And Quincy is right there in the mix with it all. And we heard Social Call. So, um, yeah. And that was Philly Joe Jones on drums, Wendell Marshall on the bass, Jerome Richardson uh, is a flutist on some of these tracks. And, um, of course, Ray Bryant on the piano and the inimitable Betty Carter on vocals. So you're starting to hear some of the collaborations uh, that Quincy had either with his own orchestra or as a composer or a ranger. And we've already hit five huge ones in that he's part of the Betty Carter and Ray Bryant session with Social Call. The, he was a sideman in the trumpet section for Dizzy Gillespie's big band with Jessica's Day. And I'll Drown in My Tears was the great Dinah Washington in front of the Quincy Jones Orchestra. 
Verlina and Lenny comes from the album One More Time, where Count Basie is playing 10 original compositions and arrangements from the great Quincy Jones. And then The Midnight Sun Will Never Set from the album Vaughn and Violins with the great Sarah Vaughn. Oh, great, great stuff. All right, so we got a few more songs coming at you. These are guaranteed to go, oh, I know that song. <laughs> so don't go anywhere. We are spotlighting the great Quincy Jones. Jupiter and Mars 
In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words, I love you.
Yes, sir. Give me the night, the great George Benson. And that comes from his 1980 album, Give Me the Night. And (laughs) um, it was released in the summer of 1980 and produced by the great Quincy Jones. And it was released on Quincy's startup label, Quest Records, Q-W-E-S-T in conjunction with Warner Brothers. Um, Give Me the Night was the only album that Quincy Jones produced for George Benson. And um, it was um, by far one of his most popular tunes. Now, the who's who on this album is unbelievable. And seeing that Quincy produced it, and he also did the rhythm arrangement for Give Me the Night, Uh, It's got all of Quincy's hallmarks. There's, of course, George Benson doing the lead guitar, scats, you know, backing vocals, lead vocals, and all that stuff because it's his album. But Lee Rittenauer is also on guitar. Greg Phalanges uh, on keyboards. Herbie Hancock on electric piano on Gimme the Night. And synthesizers and Fender Rhodes on a lot of the other tracks alongside George Duke, Claire Fisher, uh, Richard T., uh, let's see, Louis Johnson, Abraham Laboreal, uh, John Robinson, Carlos Vega, Paulina da Costa. Ah, man, tons. Rod Temperton, of course, and uh, was the rhythm arrangements who worked on that and the vocal arrangements with Quincy for Gimme the Night and Rod Temperton actually wrote the song Gimme the Night Uh, Marty Page the old school West Coast cool school uh, 
arranger. He did all the string arrangements, and he was a conductor for two of the tracks on the album. Um, yeah, man, Patty Austin was a background vocalist, as was Michael McDonald. You know, know me. Yeah, that Michael McDonald, right? So, but he was uncredited. Um, and all this has a lot of Quincy's, you know, stamp on it. Give me the night. The single reached number four on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the U.S. R&B charts, and number two on the U.S. dance charts. It reached the peak position of number three on the Billboard Pop albums, number one on the Billboard Top Soul albums, and number one on the Billboard Top Jazz albums. So, George can say, thanks, Quincy. (laughs) Ah, man. It's kind of crazy, you know. Uh, This album won George Benson three Grammy Awards in 1981. So, and Quincy and Jerry Hay also won the Grammy Award for Best Instrumental Arrangement. So, for Dinora Dinora, uh, an Ivan Lins tune. So there you have it. Man, yeah. Uh, Before that, we heard Fly Me to the Moon. Yeah, that classic Sinatra arrangement, which is from the album It Might As Well Be Swing, featuring Frank Sinatra and the Count Basie Orchestra with arrangements by Quincy Jones. It's right there on the cover. Can't miss it. It's in between the two faces of Frank and Count Basie. Um, And then before that, we started off the set with the great Ray Charles and One Mint Julep. Now, the thing to keep in mind about this is it comes from the album Ray Charles, Genius Plus Soul Equals Jazz on the Impulse label, and it features arrangements by Ralph Burns and Quincy Jones. Of course, you know, Ray and Quincy Jones are you know, have been really good friends since they were teenagers. But, you know, this is just another example uh, of Quincy's quantumness, if you will. <laughs> I mean, good Lord, it's he's just everywhere, you know. And to further, you know, cement that, I also wanted to take this opportunity on this set break to mention some things that maybe you didn't know about Quincy. And uh, if you've ever seen a Vibe magazine, that's all due to Quincy. Vibe magazine is Quincy Jones. He just didn't have a hand in it. It's his baby. And he was, the idea was that, you know, you have all these other music magazines like Rolling Stone and such out there, but he said there needs to be one for black music. And he created Vibe. And (laughs) that's huge, you know. Um, Quincy also, uh, on a separate, you know, event, he suffered a brain aneurysm uh, many decades ago, and it, it left him to where he couldn't play the trumpet anymore. So he had to just rely on his uh, connections and his arranging skills and his composition skills and his producing skills, and he was able to do that very, very, very strongly. Um. Quincy is also the one who is responsible for the Hands Across America uh, event that went on, you know, in the 80s. 
and in which everybody was like holding hands, you know, and it, it's just amazing all the different things that the, these are like major events in, in, in entertainment. And more of them than not, you, you can trace back and see who's the, the people working behind the scenes. And usually Quincy's in there, you know, um, and, it, you know, something else I wanted to say was if you get a chance, it, it, I know that some of you uh, do Netflix and things like that. There are two fantastic documentaries that I've watched that I wanted to share with you. Uh, and they both came out in like 2019, 2018. And one is called The Black Godfather. And it's not the black exploitation film from the 70s. That's a totally different thing. But this one is a documentary that centers around um, music executive Clarence Avant. And Quincy is featured in there um, because Clarence Avant is truly the black godfather. He is kind of like a Quincy-esque kind of person, and they are the best of friends. So that's a whole lot of power whenever they get together and just, you know, shoot the shit. But, um, yeah, I mean, the black godfather, Clarence Avant, it, it, it's just amazing the uh, the things that he he has done in his lifetime, um, from political associations to musical associations, etc. So, and they talked to Bill Clinton. They talked to, um, yeah, Quincy. All these cats, and they all say it's Clarence Avent. It's Clarence Avent. You know. So, that's the first documentary. The second documentary, I would highly, highly, highly suggest you check out if you've dug this podcast at all is simply titled Quincy and it is a documentary on the great Quincy Jones and it features him it's not just on him it features interviews with him with Rashida uh, with plenty of musicians uh, and entertainers and he talks they, they even interview um, Kendrick Lamar and how Kendrick Lamar took advice from Quincy Jones. So it, it's quite a fascinating documentary. Uh, and it goes into depth about a lot of the things that we've just kind of touched upon here, in, including uh, a, an entire Smithsonian collection of, of black music that was spearheaded by Quincy Jones, the whole you know exhibit. And Man, to, to have your fingerprint on everything from Oprah to TV to Michael Jackson to Frank Sinatra to Basie to Donna Washington and, and, and so much more and the Smithsonian, that's saying a lot. And don't forget that, you know, th there's some wild rumors and some wild things, you know, that that's Quincy has spit out there from the Beatles to... Um, Richard Pryor to Marlon Brando and Ivanka Trump and all these things, you know what I mean? But the truth of the matter is, is that you cannot deny his entertainment prowess. He truly is, you know, a god and a king in the entertainment industry. And he is a living legend. So say what you will about some of the crazy myths rumors and things like that um you know i the, the idea that came to mind you know when quincy is talking about all these things with richard pryor and 
with the Beatles and Ivanka Trump and all those things like that. It, it reminds me of this adage my grandmother used to say, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> and I think a lot of these old timers like Quincy, uh, who's actually known a lot and, and hung out with so many of these cats, they, they can tell you whatever, you know, they want to, what, they want to, you know what I mean? They can fabricate a story if they want to. Let them. Just let them go, you know. Um, Miles Davis was a lot like that. And, um, but, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a kernel of truth in some of those stories. It might not be the complete truth, but uh, there's a kernel of truth in there. So, I don't know. It's just let him, let him spin a yarn uh, of some stories. That's what I say. So, speaking of Miles Davis, he is in this last set. This last set is two songs long, and uh, we do want to thank you for listening to this just quick snapshot on the legacy uh, of entertainment icon Quincy Jones, because Quincy is quantum. And we want to remind you that <clears throat> if you like the Dr. Jazz podcast, please make sure you subscribe. And wherever you find your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And we will be there for you. And spread the word to your friends, you know what I mean? Because we, we love having new listeners. And, uh, yeah, we love all y'all. So uh, you can also find track information and album artwork on our website, Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast, dot WordPress, dot com. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, just look for the handle at NDHJazz. And that way, you'll know whenever each new episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast drops. So without further ado, let's listen to the great Quincy Jones and Miles Davis. It will be the first time tonight that Miles Davis and Quincy Jones will be on the same stage playing together, ever. So now I think it's time to bring the man, and I'm very, very proud to be able to call him my friend, my great friend, Mr. Quincy Jones! Quincy Jones! Merci. Merci, Claude. Well, anything can happen up here tonight, but I'd like to bring out now a man that if he never played another note, he doesn't have to because he has led the way on the cutting edge for the last 50 years, and it's a dream to work with him tonight for the first time. My love, my brother, and one of my favorite musicians and idols, Miles Davis! <laughs>
Uh-huh. The reason they call me is because just before I did Thriller, I did an album with Donna Summer, a song called State of Independence. And on that I said, I had a 16-bar phrase. I said, I want the best voices in the world. And I had one-third of the wheel of the world on that, those 16 bars. Right. Same ones, Michael, or Lionel, Stevie Wonder, or Diane and all that. <clears throat> and uh, uh, they, they called me when, when uh, Lionel and Ken Craig called me after Belafonte said, Live Aid has done something and we're doing nothing. And he said, uh, let's do a tour. I said, no, I, you can't take that many maniacs on a, on a tour. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I've said my, I've said my friends. Of course. And I've worked with 60% of them. And, uh, I, <clears throat> but I know who they are, and you don't go on the road with, <laughs> with that many people. So let's, we just, let's, let's instead, let's do a 12-hour session with one song. Wow. And we got the same thing done, you know, and it was, uh, it was one night I'll never forget as long as I live.
All right. So we had two songs in that in that set, and I let Claude Knobs and Quincy kind of set up the first one, which was Solia, live from the Montreux Jazz Festival, 1990, um, 1991, and this was all something that was unheard of for Miles Davis. Miles Davis never looked back in the past and Quincy had been on Miles since the late 70s before um, Miles really even retired and he tried to convince Miles to revive the music he had recorded on several classic albums of the 1960s particularly the music of Gil Evans and Miles always refused saying I don't want to you know I don't want to revisit the past no forget it but in 1991 Miles Davis finally, you know, relented and looked at that beast and said, okay, let's do it. And despite having pneumonia, he agreed to perform at Montreux and record it. And so Miles and Quincy, live at Montreux, was Miles Davis's last album because he died several months afterward. So, there you go. Um, Then after that, we heard... uh, an interview from ePlanet Media in which Quincy sets up his feelings about the We Are the World um, session in which there's just absolutely tons of great artists there. And, I mean, as far as all that goes, (laughs) it's just, it's incredible the, the artists that are associated with that act. I mean, Quincy had Dan Aykroyd, Harry Belafonte, Lindsey Buckingham, Kim Carnes, Ray Charles, Bob Dylan, Sheila E., Bob Geldof, Holland Oates, James Ingram, Jackie Jackson, all the Jacksons, uh, Michael Jackson, Randy Jackson, Al Jarreau, Waylon Jennings, Billy Joel, Cindy Lauper, Huey Lewis in the News, Kenny Loggins, Bette Midler, Willie Nelson, Jeffrey Osborne, Steve Perry, the Pointer Sisters, Lionel Richie, Smokey Robinson, Kenny Rogers, Diana Ross, Paul Simon, Bruce Springsteen, Tina Turner, Dionne Warwick, and Stevie Wonder. And the way that he got through all of that was he simply said, okay, you know, they asked him, they're like, how, how did you get all that, you know, in, in one room? And he said he wanted to raise the money for the victims of famine in Ethiopia. But what happened was is that he explained that he had taped a sign on the door at the entrance reading, check your ego at the door. He was also quoted to say that we don't want to make a hunger record in tuxedos. Then he required everybody to wear casual clothing in the studio because Quincy is just that down to earth. So hopefully you've dug this, I mean, and I mean this, just a quick snapshot into the legacy of the great Quincy Jones. Um, Thank you so much for listening. And um, check out that documentary, Quincy, and about Quincy Jones and The Black Godfather about Clarence Avant on Netflix. They're very, very, very cool and worth checking out. Uh, as always, we love you madly. We love all y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and until next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Y'all be good now. Because in jazz, we trust. <laughs>